So they say if you give a man a gun, he'll rob a bank. But if you give a man a bank, he'll rob everybody. But the good news for you is Private Money Club runs solely on peer-to-peer -peer relationships, which means no banks allowed. So finally, there's a community for real estate entrepreneurs where it is truly a win-win solution. This community is a place where you can connect with other lenders and other borrowers, and the end results, massive growth for you. You get to build your real estate empire, and you get to do it solving other people's problems. So if that sounds like a place you want to be, well then join us. Go to privatemoneyclub.com forward slash Kelly. And if you want 500 bucks off, just add the code Kelly 500 and I'll knock 500 bucks off the premier membership. For over 90 years, we've been crash testing our cars in the tireless pursuit of automotive safety. At Volvo, safety's been first since 1927. We've saved millions of lives with the invention of the three-point seatbelt in 1959. At Volvo, we've made driving safer for you and them. Visit safety.finleyvolvo.com to learn more. Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything. On today's show, guys, if I speak fast, it's because I only got 40 minutes with this dude. This is one of the most powerful guys that I've, honestly, like, virtually, I just met him this morning. I know of him through all of my friends, but we got on the line, and I'm telling you, he's going to blow your doors off. Uh, this is a guy who helps you <laughs> helps people to be able to take digital assets as opposed to physical, physical assets and help them to be able to build their wealth and not only build their wealth for the sake of gaining a bunch of money, Money, but so they could spend time with who they really, what really matters, which is their family. Um, it's it's incredible. It's my honor to be able to have this man here. He has zero dollar startup.com, zero dollar startup.com. It's a mouthful for me, but it's not for him. And I tell you, the heart of this man and how genuine he is, he just kept asking me questions. He didn't want to know anything for me to know anything about him. He wanted to know about me and more people in the world. Guys, we need more people like the Roger Comstocks of the world because because in the event that you are interested in what people are, are doing as opposed to trying to be interesting, that's when everyone wants to know about you anyway. And he's been able to leverage this into, I mean, incredible, incredible business, but he does it because his heart is so big. So please, please welcome to the show. Don't call me founder. Don't call me CEO. Just call me Roger, Mr. Roger Comstock. Dude, I'm grateful to be with you, Kelly. Thanks for having me on the show, man. And to all of your listeners, um, they're grateful to be able to learn from you, dude. You're just, I can tell, have a heart of pure gold. So it's a treat to be here with you. Well, the thing that I, I, I thought was so amazing is I just talked to our, our friend, Sean Finnegan, and I said that he, uh, he FaceTimed me today. Thank you, Sean, for FaceTiming me from Asana. Uh, he had his shirt off today. He wanted to flex. Um, but the thing that he said about you right off the bat is he said the infectious attitude that you have that no matter what circumstance you go into, that things are going to work out because of your attitude. Where did this attitude come from and how can we construct it ourselves? Oh, you're very kind uh, to ask that. I think it's, it's interesting to understand um, kind of where people come from because their current kind of uh, attitudes or behaviors, personality is generally dictated by past experience. And for me, it's, uh, it's no different. I grew up um, recognizing that positivity makes a big difference in the outcomes that we experience and the, and the results that we, we get in life. But it came through going through really hard things. I was in therapy uh, for years. I still am in therapy. Therapy is a great thing, but had anxiety uh, as a kid, kind of a, a, a challenging childhood. 
But all those things are great things. They're challenges that help us grow and develop and become our best selves. They've blessed me in life and in business. And so I just feel, I feel thankful for um, opportunities to be able to get better and do better and uh, impact the world in a, in a positive way. Um, I think it's, it's also helpful to understand that there's been a lot of studies done on positive thinking. And um, in, in 1543, Copernicus figured out that it's not everything else revolving around the earth that we're actually revolving around the sun, that we live in a heliocentric universe. And what scientists are now figuring out is that success actually revolves around happiness and it's not happiness around success. So for a long time, people th thought that once I'm successful, I will be happy, right? I need to be successful first and happiness will come later. But it's been proven now um, and it's really helpful for everyone to understand that um, success is a repercussion of happiness, that the happiest people find success, which is cool. So, Roger, help us to understand, because when people talk, started talking about anxiety, for me, it wasn't a word that was in my household. It wasn't a word that, that in my generation, it, we didn't use it that much. And so when people started talking about it, I didn't understand it. And so can you explain, it as if you were explaining to my 11-year-old son, Maddox is his name, could you explain what it feels like to have anxiety? Yeah, of course. And I think there's... Um, there's different levels of anxiety, right? That people go through. And I think one of the things that we have to realize in life is that everybody has a different story, right? And understanding or seeking to understand somebody else's story allows us to feel empathy or compassion, which allows us to better appreciate their perspectives. And so if I had never experienced real anxiety before, somebody may tell me, hey, like I've got anxiety and be like, ah, oh, just brush it off, right? Or I've got whatever it may be like, oh, that's not a big thing. Or I've got depression, like, don't worry about it. But um, anxiety is, it is a, it's a terrifying thing. Um, it feels like you're being crushed, like you're laying under a grand piano. And then on top of that, there's 10 anvils and it, it's really difficult to breathe sometimes. So sometimes you'll have a panic attack and you worry and you fear it. It generally comes from experiences that were, um, challenging or traumatic, right. And at, at some point in your life. And, um, it can be, it can be tough, right? It's really nice to have resources available for people that are able to help individuals, kind of work through things like this. And I think people go through moments of anxiety when they, and, um, and thankfully there's tools for that too. Uh, people, there's people that are actually depressed, really, really depressed. And then people that go through kind of depressive kind of situations, but it's just a huge blessing that we have tools and resources available and people that specialize in, uh, helping out with those things. It's awesome. Well, I find it a commonality, right? That people like yourself that want to help other people and you've, you've dedicated your whole entire career with zero, uh, uh, zero dollar startup to help people where they don't have to go get venture capital, where they don't have to have all the resources in the world, but they're being resourceful. I find that people like yourself have come through tons and tons of traumatic things as a young kid or in their lives. What are some of those specifics? Can you take us there? Because a lot of times we hear the stories of the Roger Comstocks. That's like, we see you and you're a juggernaut in business. You're a juggernaut as far as a human being. And then we're like, yeah, he did go through these things, but we look at it and we're like, yeah, but it, it, maybe it wasn't that, that big. I can't relate to it. Um, and we don't hear the, the depth of it. We don't hear the specifics of it. So what were some of the specifics that you went through that caused this anxiety and caused these challenges to, uh, led you to therapy that led you to the empathy that you have today? Yeah, good question. Um, I would tend to be, uh, I, 
I had something called scrupulosity, which is like moral perfectionism. So always worrying that I had to be perfect in every single thing that I did. And if everything wasn't perfect, I would feel guilty about everything, right? Tons and tons of stress, um, concern. And uh, that led me to um, kind of get my, my feelings uh, in a way kind of numbing out the world a bit, right? It was, it was, uh, it's not, it's not a fun feeling by any means, right? Um, not, not, not enjoyable. And so I recognized like anybody through, through our path in life, we recognize at some point that we need other people, right? Like if we try to do things alone, it never works. And they found with redwoods and sequoias, um, that they're, they're the world's tallest trees, biggest trees. And like the Statue of Liberty is 305 feet tall. There's this redwood called Hyperion and it's 380 feet tall, but they have a very shallow root system, a really, really shallow root system. And so, which is surprising. You'd think that they would need to go deep in order to, um, continue to stay standing. But what they found is nature's teaching us an important lesson. And it's that they, they actually link roots, these huge, huge trees together that started out like a tomato seed. They're only, their, their seeds as they grow, start out as a tomato seed and they get that big, but they're constantly, uh, embracing the other trees in order to stay standing tall. And so what I've realized in life is as we go through challenging things, we, we recognize we need other people. We need coaches. We need mentors. We need individuals that are able to help us in places that we don't have all of the answers to provide those answers. So thankfully, I'm able to do that um, for people in business, which is a lot of fun to be able to watch. And then in just life, uh, kind of overcoming um, and going through life in general. And um, I realized I've had to lean on and continue to lean on a lot of people in, in life as well. So let's talk about the the word you said scrupulosity. What, what tell me scrupulosity? Yeah. Okay. So scrupulosity. When when you're when you're when you have a uh, um, what would be the the word um, when you when you have a propensity to move towards perfectionism, a lot of times there was crazy expectation on you, or there was someone over the top of you saying you got to do this and I I got to see this and there's that strict part of it. I'm just tossing out there, was that the case? And if it was, who was that in your life that was that was holding you to that type of standard that you didn't feel and that you, or maybe that you felt that the grand piano was on top of you? Yeah, good question. It was actually me, uh, lacking understanding, I think. Uh, growing up, I, I was holding myself to standards that were unreasonable, right? I was feeling that I needed to be the very, very best. I remember in second grade, like I, I didn't get an A on a spelling test and I was crying because I didn't get an A. It wasn't perfect, right? And what I've learned as, as I've gotten older, I've recognized how important failure is and how important the struggle is and um, growth and development. And you realize that failure should be celebrated and that it's a, a very, very important thing to um, to, to experience uh, the, the downs as well as the ups, right? And so I, I recognized um, through, through learning, through growing, through a lot of books, through a lot of uh, people helping me that uh, life doesn't need to be perfect, right? Um, I'm not always going to be uh, exactly doing the things that are just, just so, right? And uh, that, that allows you to breathe a little bit <laughs> and uh, to appreciate the, the, the beauties of life, right? With, with all of the ups and the downs, it's a, it's a good thing that life is that way. So let's go to that second grade time because, and I want, I want to stay in this place for a second, if you don't mind, Roger, because in second grade, okay, are you like, do you, are you conscious of these things or, or did you have, I mean, say like mom and dad was mom and dad saying like, we need you to do good in school. We need you to get these kind of grades. Was there societal pressures? Um, you grew up in Utah. Am I correct? 
Yeah, yeah. And so a thing, now, let me ask you this. We'll fast forward and then come back. So this is like Pulp Fiction. Let's fast forward to be able to deal with these things. Was there substance that came into a play? To, no. Later uh, on? No, as far as like medication. Is that yeah, later on. Like you know, abuse, abuse of it or drugs or alcohol or anything like that that came oh, in later? No. Okay. No, none of that. Okay. Of that. So let's go back to the second, uh, second grade. How, like, were, were your parents hard on you? Was your, was the, the, the group that you're around, were they hard on you? Because that is a learned behavior. Like from my standpoint, like, or from my experience or watching it, it, it seems like a learned behavior, right? And so where did you learn it from or where was it coming from? It's a really good question. Um, it's a great question. Uh, and I don't know, I was, I'm the, the oldest child. Uh, and then I had um, some really just challenging things happen as a, as a kid. Uh, my parents are divorced and they're both incredible people, but okay. some things that were just not too great uh, occurred. It's just, I mean, it's life, things happen. Like what? So like what? Uh, the reason why I say like what is because a lot of times, again, the specific parts of it, uh, like a, a person like you, we are so inspired, Roger, that you're even having this conversation, right? Because most of the time a person is going to say, I just look on the, for the silver lining part of it, which is awesome. But there's so many people out there that are in the mix right now that are like, I can't see any silver at all. So what were some of the specifics that you went through during that time that kind of started to shape it? You said you, the parents got divorced at what age and then what happened during that time? Yeah. And I wouldn't want to, um, I want to make sure that everybody knows like how good they both are. And so I don't want to make anybody think anything but the best about uh, the, my parents. They're just incredible people. But I, they were divorced when I was about 15 years old. And so there was a lot going on inside the house that caused, uh, it was it was a constant place of anxiety for me, right? Like it was it was constantly a place coming home wasn't like a comfy feeling. It was just, it was just a, a place that was full of anxiety. Um, and so I kind of just lived with anxiety a lot, um, just nervousness all through my childhood. And that they've, they've found um, a lot of, uh, I love research. I'm a big science guy. I love, love, love science. Learning in general, I think it's just so fun to learn. But they found that from zero to seven, our brains are actually in a theta type state, which is where most people, our brains are usually operating in, in beta, alpha, theta, or delta, and sometimes gamma, which is higher as far as like wavelengths of thinking. Um, and from zero to seven, theta is a, is a place where there's a lot of imagination, creativity, and a lot of programming going on in our subconscious uh, from zero to seven years old. And so that's why we see kids like putting a, a towel around their neck and then jumping off the stairs thinking they can fly, right? Or kids sitting at a, a table with their dolls and they're, they're having a real tea party, right? They, they're imagining these things happen, happening. And so it's a very imprintable period of time, right, for people to be programmed and they found that a lot of that programming that occurs in those years from zero to seven actually plays a big part in kind of what they see later in life. And what I, I'm a big fan of Carol Dweck and her research, which is this idea of like being there's, there's two different mindsets that individuals can choose, which I love. Like we can choose to, to, to uh, take advantage of either one. And one is a fixed mindset, meaning I can't change. I can't develop. I'm stuck. My genetics say this is who I am or my experiences say this is who I am. And then there's more of a growth mindset, which says I have the ability to become or do anything that I put my mind to. And there's there's been a lot of research recently around this idea of epigenetics, which has proven that our genetic, um, the way that they kind of show themselves, our, our genes 
can change based off of our environments that we choose to put ourselves in. And so we're not actually like stuck, right, in a situ situation. So I think what happens for people is sometimes they feel like they're kind of the victim of their environment or they're the victim of whatever may be happening of the economy or whatever it may be. But what's very powerful for an individual to understand is that nothing is going to dictate how they have to be. They inevitably have a decision that they can make, right? If they have anxiety or depression, like, like me with anxiety or OCD or scrupulous, like we have a choice that we can make. We can reprogram just like a computer. We can upgrade our systems and uh, choose to live a different life. And that, that in turn provides powerful emotions for other people that are suffering, right? And that's why, that's why I would never give it back. I would never go back and say, I wish that didn't happen to me. Um, I have a unique perspective for people that are suffering. I want to just hug them, right? I love them. I don't know them, but I love them already, right? Like people that I see that are suffering, I just care about them so much because I can feel the, the pain that they've been in because I've felt it too. And so people that are struggling in business, my students, it's like, man, I know how that feels. I'm so sorry. Push through. You got this. Um, I have a program called the Champions Corner where we've got a bunch of people together that are high achievers wanting to to do a bunch with life. And when they're struggling or going through things, I can um, be there with them to lean on, you know? And so it's been, it is a powerful experience that taught me a lot in life and continues to teach me a ton. So take us to that 15 year old part, because when you said uh, 15, you had been feeling tightness in your chest, you had been feeling it, maybe you couldn't put your finger on it. Um, and the reason why I say it is because one time I was driving my, uh, my, uh, the car that my dad got for me, which is a 63 Impala. I drove it and I gave it to my son. So we drove it to school and it broke down at school. And I got so tight because I live in a neighborhood that cars don't break down. And it broke down and there was cars behind me and all the stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I, I was so embarrassed. And my son was like, dad, can I go out and play? The next day we drive the car again. And he looks over at me before we get there. And he's like, daddy, daddy, can you break down again so I could play at the playground? And I realized at that point that I had lived in fear my entire life up until that point. Anytime I got in a car, I would always get tight because I thought my car was going to break down because that's what we lived in and lived through. So at that 15-year-old mark, your chest is feeling tight. You're going through these things. Take us to that place when you find out, I mean, when, when your parents do get divorced, because this is a, I mean, this is a formidable time, especially for a man too. Um, what things were you going through and what were you feeling at that time? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, this is a, this is a great show uh, because I've never really talked about. I'm usually talking about business in general, so this is interesting to um, kind of go through these thoughts and emotions. I, I, it's it's great, especially for people that are listening. I hope it's helpful. But um, at 15 years old, I I didn't understand at all what was happening. I knew that I felt scared to death uh, about life, prime like in general, right? Like didn't know what was happening. I knew everyone else thought like they, they saw me and everyone was like, Roger Comstock's the happiest guy I know. And I don't know what he's doing. I'd have people ask like if I was on drugs, cause I was so happy, but it, it was also, it was nice of them to say those things, but it was hard because no one really understood what I was going through. Right? Like they, they didn't see the darkness inside and how scared I was and these feelings of, um, like utter fear, um, in life. Right. And so uh, and fear is just like a destroyer. It just, it just wrecks people. Right. Uh, and so, and, and you know, as me, like I'm, I'm a big, um, fan of Jesus. I love God. I think they're amazing, best business partners to have, but the whole idea of like faith, perfect love casts out fear. That's something that I'm continuing to learn in life because if, if faith or fear is ruling life, you're not, in, you're not going to be in a good spot. Right. And, um, I found that other people, um, 
because of these experiences that I had as a kid, I, I found people in school that were struggling and I had a lot of friends that were super great in school, but I I'd noticed kind of these outcasts in school and I wanted to bring them in to our circle of friends. Uh, and my, my friends, I don't fault them, but they didn't, they didn't understand, um, where these people were coming from. And so it's like, no, we don't want to hang out with that person. It's like, no, they need to hang out with us, right? Like we need to bring them in and help them feel loved and cared about. Um, and I knew that I, I knew that I cared about people. Um, I knew that I loved people. I, I knew that I felt really crummy inside. Um, super, uh, like I got, it got to a point where I realized that it, what I was doing alone was not working. And that's when I started realizing that I needed, I needed to figure out something. Right. And, and so in life, I'm learning that more and more, like as, as life goes on, it's, it's such a gift to recognize there is always more answers. Some people get to points in their life. They're like, I've tried everything. There's nothing else that I can do, but it's like, no, there's no way you've tried everything. There's so many options and opportunities and books and different ways of thinking, um, about a particular thing, right. That, that somebody may not have tried yet. And so, um, that's been a, a, a meaningful perspective to have. And as I've gotten older, it's that, that perspective has matured, um, in recognizing that there's always answers to problems. There's no problem that will ever come up where there's no solution. Finding the solution can be insanely frustrating, but it's, it's a powerful, it's a powerful ideology to be able to have, right. And recognizing in business or in personal life, there's nothing that will ever get in my way that will, that will stop me from progressing or becoming better, the best version of myself. Well, everyone that's listening right now or watching understands why I wanted to have you on the show because honestly, not only one of the most amazing attitudes, but the most one of the most scrappy guys I've ever met in my entire life. And it's incredible to be able to see this. So we're going to go to commercial break right now and I'm going to ask you the question and then you sit on it for a little bit during the commercial and then we're going to come back. So those of you guys watching, you have to watch the commercial and then you're coming back to Mr. Roger. So when we get back, I'm, we're going to go back to that second grade, uh, that second grade time. I want to sit in that second grade time for a little bit because I really want to challenge the belief system that you were in that place as far as that perfectionism. I want to find out where that came from. Like where, like the, some of the things that you were hearing, because so many people are going through this right now where they have pressure, whether it be societal or friends or parents or uncles or aunts, or even I had uh, Sandra Day O'Connor's uh, granddaughter on the other day, and she didn't realize until she was in her late twenties that she was comparing herself every single day to Sandra Day O'Connor, which at, at that point, <laughs> you're never going to live up to that one. You know what I'm saying? But you can if you're just going to be yourself. So we're going to go to commercial break, and then we're going back to second grade. Roger, stay tuned. The way I see it is you've got two choices. You can either keep pretending like nothing bad's ever going to happen to you, and then when it does, you're saying, uh-oh, or you can get ahead of what's coming so that when it does, not if, you're ready for it, and you're sitting pretty, sipping on Mai Tais next to the pool, working on that Caribbean suntan, because you got it covered. So folks, it's time for you to learn the truth about money. It's time for you to take back control of your money so that you are ready for what's about to happen. By doing that, you're setting yourself up for absolute success. No matter what comes your way, you're ready for it. And that's what I want for you, and I want to help you with that. So go to chrisnoggle.com and sign up for the Wealth Webinar. We do them every Wednesday at 1 p.m., and you need to be there because it's time. Uh-oh, it looks like we piqued your interest in the hideout. First of all, 
Let me tell you what the hideout is not. The hideout is not for hustlers, for grinders, or for people who are looking for a shortcut to what the world calls success. The hideout is about growing as men, creating lifelong friendships, and having the time of our lives. Are you ready to tap in to the endless source that will take you from success to significance? The hideout is two and a half days of hiking, biking, and doing the little things that it takes to create lifelong friendships. I find that joy is nothing more than falling in love with your current circumstances and allowing magic to happen. And that's when we see growth in every area of your life. Have you accomplished your goals professionally and financially and you still thirst for something more? Has success in these areas come at the expense of far more valuable things like your family, your children, and your relationships? Alignment in business, strategic partnerships, and joint ventures all come from true relationships. The hideout is designed to get to know people before you'll ever meet them. This is not your typical mastermind. The hideout is focused on the one thing that will fuel everything, joy. And when joy is overflowing in your life, you'll find growth in your marriage, your relationships, and oh yeah, your business. We are back. We are back with Roger Comstock. And I know I gave you the, the lead into this, but I want to thank you too, Roger, for going to the places we are because most of the time, um, you know, like you said, when you go on a show, you're talking about business, but I believe that everyone's going to want to do business with you and they're going to want to know about uh, zero startup uh, that, or zero dollar start, startup.com. They're going to want to know about that because they know who the individual is. And I tell you, I could tell you this from personal experience for the last 40 minutes of getting to spend time with this young man. This is truly who he is on camera. Off camera, this is who he is. So take us back to that second grade, uh, Roger, uh, Roger, you got the uh, stage. Oh, well, you're, you're kind, Kelly. Thank you so much. I think, uh, you know, um, it's interesting. I, being, being young, we don't, we don't change a whole lot um, from when we're in kindergarten to as we get older. We, we learn more, but what we experience is still the same. We want to fit in. We want to feel loved. We want to feel valued. We want to feel... Like people care about us, um, and so I think in in second grade, um, at the first of this story, I, I don't know what was causing me to feel like I needed to be perfect so young, uh, and I, it'd be worth kind of diving into. And we've we've talked a lot about, um, I mean, through through my life, through all the help that I've received, that a lot of that probably stemmed from kind of what was going on inside of my family at that time, right? This feeling of perfectionism or having to do things right always, or this moral obligation to not make mistakes. But what I, what I realized and what's kind of um, liberating is this idea as we get older that other people uh, experience challenges as well, right? We're not in it alone and we have people that uh, we can lean on, that care about us. And um, if, we, if we understand kind of the rudimentary foundational aspects of psychology, the fact that in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, at the very, very bottom, we have uh, food, shelter, water, but right above that, we have security. That's the thing that we need more than anything else in life. And as a kid, it wasn't, it wasn't my parents' fault. They're just trying to figure life out. Like, it, I mean, it's life, right? Like people figure things out. And um, 
but I didn't have a whole lot of security, right? Uh, I, I didn't feel secure. And so that probably contributed big time to some of the emotions I was feeling, um, which can happen to anybody, right? And so it, it's important in life that we are uh, trying to create an experience or atmosphere for other people that allows them to feel safe and secure, right? And growing and developing in our families, we want to be able to develop those experiences in, in our friendships and in business and relationships there. Uh, it's absolutely critical before we move up any of those other rungs in Maslow's hierarchy of needs to, towards the top, which is like what most people focus on self-actualization, which is like the money and the fun and the happiness. Um, and so it's interesting, like anxiety or trauma can can affect people in a way where like if I were to ask a group of people, hey, like, do you guys want to come on this amazing trip to Hawaii? I'm paying for all of it. It's going to be incredible. We're going to um, take a jet there, um, hang out on the beach for a week. Everyone will say yes, but I only need to use one sentence to make everyone say no. If I were to say yes, but a serial killer is going to come with us on the plane and on the trip, everyone immediately will say they're not coming anymore. Um, and it's because we had moved up the rung too quickly to self-actualization, all the fun things, all the money, all of the excitement, the relaxation, the pina coladas. But the minute that I say, hey, a serial killer is coming with us, that breaks that security, right? And so a lot of people get hung up in life in business, in relationships, because they don't feel safe and they don't feel secure. And until that's kind of figured out, it's tough for them to progress beyond that. And so that's something that I've really had to work on, right? Because of my experience as a kid. Um, and that's, that's helped a lot, right? A, a ton, a ton, figuring out that you don't have to always feel that way. Well, it's, it's incredible too, Roger, how you've been able to take these things. And because there's always the, I always call it the fork in the road. And then people say that there's a lot of different forks inside of this. But when you go through things like what you've gone through, you can choose to become it and just exacerbate it. And you end up, you know, becoming a bonehead. Or you say, you go the way that Roger goes and says, I'm not only going to go and I'm going to break through this. I'm going to use it as a superpower, but I'm also going to be able to help other people. How can a person that's at that fork right now, what actionable items would you give them or advise them on to take that path as far as like make it better, make it better for your family, make it better for the next generations? Uh, good question. Uh, there's a great book called As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. And I think the, the very best place to start for anybody trying to make difficult decisions is figuring out what they're feeding their mind. Um, because their, their mind is going to be the source of how much will power they have to make any decision in any particular way. And so it, this, this quote says, your mind is a garden, your thoughts are the seeds. You can grow flowers or you can grow weeds. And the, the challenge is, is that weeds grow on their own, right? So like we don't need to go out and plant weeds. Um, and and what's, what's interesting is once a flower bed is weeded, once the weeds are removed, they come back if it's not consistently taken care of. Right. And so in, in order to make difficult decisions, an individual has to choose what they want to water and what they want to have growing in their lives. If they want the beautiful flowers and the fruit that taste good, they're going to need to be willing to put off the things that are easy. Right. Like weeds grow very easily and they can be sneaky. There's this weed called morning glory that will wrap itself around things very sneakily and choke out the really healthy, good things in life. And so in making difficult decisions, the thing that people need to understand is that the, the successful individuals and those that aren't successful will both come up to the same fork in the road and have to make the same decision. The successful person will do the hard thing and the one that's not success and, and the successful person will also feel the feelings that the 
one that's not successful felt. So if something is challenging, it's not that the successful person doesn't feel that it was hard. They're not just like lucky people that don't have emotions that like they, they're, they're still going to feel like this is a hard thing to do, but they'll do it anyway. Right. And then they'll come up to another fork in the road and somebody else that won't get what they get out of life will choose to go the path that's well-trodden that everybody else takes. And the successful person will choose to step up again and say, I'm going to do something challenging again and become better. And that's why the best views in life are at the tops of mountains. We don't get the beautiful views in the valleys, but climbing the mountain is a challenging thing to do, right? Like it's, it, we, we get to experience the views at the mountain because we were willing to climb. The people that aren't willing to climb it won't get to see the view or experience the fulfillment of doing the work to get there. Like Robert Frost, he's the man. He said, um, he's so good. And I'm sure all the listeners have heard this poem, but he said, two roads diverged in a yellow wood. He says, and I, I took the road less traveled by, and that's made all the difference. And in my life, I think um, I have so many, there's so many things that I want to continue growing in. The more I learn, the more I recognize how little I know. And that's a challenge, right? I wish I had a million lifetimes to keep learning. Because I recognize there's so much to get get better at and to improve upon. But I recognize whenever I come to a fork in the road where I have a choice to level up and become better, that's the path I need to take regardless of the sacrifice required to make the first step that way. It's always worth it. Roger, can can I want to go to this place because I, I know we're, we're close on time, but I want to go to this place where there's always the dark side of the entrepreneur, especially the high level entrepreneur like yourself, that not only does it yourself, but helps people to be able to grow and use digital assets to be able to grow their wealth. But most of the time, and you seem to have found the holy grail, most of the time when you find these hard charging entrepreneurs, other parts of their lives are in shambles. They'll be amazing in business and their marriage will be in shambles. They'll be, it'd be amazing at uh, leading people, but their kids are struggling at home. You have seemed to be able to have, I don't like it as balance. I don't believe in balance because when you balance, you don't do good at anything. But you seem to be able to focus your energy and have phenomenal relationship with your wife, phenomenal friendships, and be, oh yeah, one of the baddest businessmen in the planet. Help us to understand how you're able to construct this. Yeah, good question. I think a lot of times the way that we look at something allows us to be able to, to see it uh, more, more clearly or, or easier, right? And so in, in business, a lot of times people online will pontificate about this idea of like, it's impossible to have a successful marriage, life, and family, and also a successful business. And the problem is that people buy into this idea. They hear it and then they believe it's true. People get to choose what they believe, right? And what's interesting is that I, I'm, I'm a big advocate of this idea that if we're created in the image of God, then we can, nothing's impossible. I could do anything, right? So it means I could have a successful business and a successful family. And who is, who is someone to, like, to tell me that that's not possible? Right? Because they're, 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 they're just speaking from their own experience and their own experience doesn't make it right or wrong. Right? What's great is that like it's interesting here, um, if we were to take two very differing perspectives on finance, if we were to take Dave Ramsey and Grant Cardone, right? both I love them both individually, but some people will be like disciples of Dave Ramsey and be like, I can never go into debt. It's a terrible thing right? to be able to purchase an asset. 
Um, like you've got to be debt free. But then you'll have Grant Cardone saying, don't have any money in your bank. Make sure that it's all deployed into uh, assets that are producing cash flow and that debt could be king, right? So one's cash is king, one's debt is king. And both can be correct. What's important is for an individual to stand back and say, okay, where's the truth in all this? What actually works? Because it just because someone say, says it doesn't make it true. And so what I think what I think is powerful is this idea that in life we're constantly juggling lots of different balls, right? We're juggling a family ball, we're juggling a work ball, we're juggling a physical fitness ball, we're juggling sometimes a church ball, we're, we're juggling a, um, uh, I mean, all, all kinds of different things we have competing for our attention, right? Um, constantly, all the time. What's important for people to understand, and this is a great perspective, and what I would encourage people to do is not just like assume that what I'm saying is correct, but what's great about life is business, life, relationships are just like mad science projects. We can, we can try things out, and if they work, we can double down on them. And if they don't work, we can get rid of them. Right? Like if, you're, if your science ex project explodes, then just like don't do it again. But if it's working, then you can get more of it. Right? And so what I would say is as you're juggling life with all of the different uh, facets that are incorporated in it, some of those balls will fall. For example, the work ball, that's a rubber ball. It'll bounce back. You can drop it sometimes. It's okay. Right? Like if things aren't perfect at, at work all the time, your family ball that ball cannot be dropped. It's glass, right? And people, so let's say that they drop that ball in the, in the name of work, right? That glass ball will shatter. And that's the thing that's way more important than any amount of money anybody will procure in life is time. So some people get this idea in their mind that's, that's not healthy of my children are growing up. And so I'm going to work really, really hard so that I can spend time with them after high school. They'll have this person after high school. Right. But what they miss out on is all of the dance recitals or the game winning buzzer shots that their boy shot when he looked up into the stands and their dad or mom wasn't there. Right. And that's something they can never get back at the game in the game of Monopoly. At the end of the game, it doesn't matter if you owned Park Place and Boardwalk with hotels or Baltic and Mediterranean. Right. Like at the end of the game, it all goes back in the box. So at the at the end of at the end of life, it all goes back in the box. So I had someone tell me that once and it was profound advice because in the, at the end of my life, that ball, that work ball will have dropped plenty of times, but I will not like drop the family ball. Right? And that's, and that's something that I think is really, really important for people to, to recognize and understand. It's helpful, right? To know that, that it can work that way. So Roger, the reason why I started the podcast is because of my kids. Maddox is 11 years old. He's an absolute superhero. Um, he walks to, marches to the beat of his own drum. I've got McKenna, who's 14 years old. She's in the performing arts, and she has the most sarcastic, humorous uh, personality that you could ever imagine, but the biggest heart in the world. And I wanted to take iconic people like yourself, Roger, that help people and that have a different mentality and that are icons in the world. And I wanted to show my kids that anything was possible and that the Roger Comstocks of the world were not superheroes, that you were simply a human being that had a phenomenal attitude and crazy work ethic. So what advice would you have for Maddox and McKenna? And if you could use both of their names, it would be awesome. Yeah. Maddox and McKenna, you're lucky to have such a great dad, right? He's the man. Kelly is the man. Um, sorry. I get, dang, sorry. Uh, um, I think best advice, like it, for, for anybody is learn, 
like, and be willing to fail. Um, that's, that's the mistake that I made as a child, right? Like, and I want to reaffirm and make very clear what Kelly just shared. Like, I am definitely just a person. Um, and every entrepreneur, regardless of their success, is just a person. Um, there, there is no such thing as like some tech idol or business idol, right? Everybody is working on life and relationships. And so I think one of the, 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 the biggest, um, the largest challenges that we experience in contemporary society is the conditioning that people receive at a very young age to believe that failure is wrong. Right. So for example, like going back to second grade again, like from, from preschool to when we graduate college, we believe that failure is a bad thing. We get an F on a scorecard and it's like, why did, why, why is that an F? Right. Like we, 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 we want to be able to get the A or the A plus or whatever it is. And that's not a healthy way to think. And the reason for that is that as children, we, we learned how to walk and we would fall up to 69 times within an hour learning how to walk right? Which is, which is crazy. And so a child with their incredible mind will be willing to fall over and over and over and over and over and over and over again to be able to learn a particular skill, right? As we get older, we begin to fear failure. As we become adults, we start to feel like people are going to judge us or that we've made a mistake because we failed. And so we may try once or twice, and then we throw in the towel. But we don't ever see like 30-year-old men or women being flung over the shoulders of their parents because they never learned how to walk, right? Like no matter what, regardless of how many times it took or how hard it was, children learn how to walk. And it's because they were willing to fail over and over and over again. And the failures have to be celebrated. I don't, I don't have kids yet, um, but I'm really excited to have them someday. And one of the things that I'm committed to do is around the dinner table, I want to make sure that I ask my kids, hey, tell me about where you failed today and make help them instead of just like, what went well today? How was school, right? Did you get an A on that test? Whatever it may be, like I want to say, tell me about how you failed. I'm so proud of you. Congrats for doing something that was uncomfortable. Come give me a big hug, right? Like you, you're an exceptional human being for being willing to do something that was hard. And so I want to I want to take out the public conditioning of failure is wrong and install this idea of failure is necessary. And I'm excited to see what what my children do with life knowing that it's okay to fail. Right? I think it's a it's a powerful thing to understand. So to your sweet children, right? I I think um it's important for them to understand like getting anywhere significant in life will require a lot of fails and falls, but being willing to get back up and keep moving. Roger, you have been absolutely amazing. And I want to thank you again, man, because when I started this show, everyone told me you need to have this niche. You need to stay in the niche. You need to do that. And what I told people is I said, look, my niche is people. And what I want to do is I want to have a, a interview like, and I want to have a show, an episode with a Roger Comstock that no one else is going to get because Anyone honestly could talk to you about business. And I know you've talked to about business a million times, but a lot of times being vulnerable and being open and sharing what you did today, I just want to applaud you, man. And I want to thank you because this is the legacy. This is the legacy, not only for my kids, but any kids that come alongside to, to be able to see that all the business te techniques in the world, they're all well and good, but it's the heart of the person 
and all of you out there that are listening, you see the heart of the person and why it just makes it easy to do business with Roger Comstock. It makes it very, very simple that way. And honestly, uh, better than advertised. I want to tell you that. I want to thank all the listeners out there that are listening and watching. We have done zero paid marketing since the time that we started. And every one of you, because of every one of you listening and watching, we're in the top 1% globally of all podcasts. And that's because of every single one of you. And because guests like Roger that are willing to come on and be able to talk about things that he generally doesn't talk about. And so I want to thank you so much, Roger. You have been absolutely phenomenal. And I appreciate you. I can't wait to force you to be my friend for the rest of your life. Dude, no, no forcing required. I'm grateful to have a good friend like you um, and just love you so much already, Kelly. And you're, all of your audience, they're lucky to, to learn from you and to have someone like you to look up to. I, I already think the world of you and respect you so much. So thank you very much for having me on the show. Well, now's the time. Click the links. Check all the sponsors. You know what to do. Roger, you have been phenomenal. I can't wait to have you on again. And you're officially off the hot seat. You're the man. <laughs>